0: Stuff I Learned Yesterday, episode number 488, Cherishing the Moments. Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. My name is Daryl Darnell. I re-listened to every single Coldplay studio album over the weekend in preparation for their concert in Tulsa this Thursday, and I believe that if you aren't learning, you aren't living. In today's episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I share a story about an unusual coincidence. Well, hello there, greetings. Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. So glad to have you here for a new week of episodes. And uh, in case you're wondering, I didn't just listen to a bunch of Coldplay music in preparation for them to come into Tulsa. I'm also going to Tulsa. Very excited. Been uh, waiting several months to go to this concert. So yeah, maybe I'll learn a few things from my trip to Tulsa. I'll be sharing with you... In a future episode, but today we are going to be talking about unusual coincidence or an unusual coincidence. And so I thought we could take today's fun fact segment, since we're talking about a strange coincidence and share some other things that are facts that seem too odd to be true, and yet they are. All right, so here we go. In 1895, there were only two cars in the entire state of Ohio. And they crashed into each other. (laughs) All right, number two. If not for the 200-year difference, Jimi Hendrix and George Handel would have been neighbors. They lived at 23 and 25 Brook Street, respectively, in London. Now, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, that's like... There's some major music mojo in that little area right there. So, I don't know. If you're an aspiring musician... Go try to get your hands on one of those locations. All right, here's the next one. The first worker to die during the Hoover Dam's construction was J.G. Tierney, and he died on December 20th, 1922. The last person to die under construction was J.G. Tierney's son, and he also died on December 20th, but it was 1935. That's crazy. All right, here's one that's equally as astonishing. In 1975, a man was killed when he was struck by a taxi in Bermuda. Now, an unlucky passenger had to witness it. A year later, that same taxi driver was driving the same passenger when the taxi struck and killed the original victim's brother. It's crazy. You know, I don't know if you used to watch Lost. I did, and they had all these things like, You would see two of these characters on the screen together before they came to the island and they never knew it and all these weird coincidences that seemed too strange. They just had to be true. They had to be tied in. Well, then you find stuff like this out and you're like, well, maybe Lost wasn't so far fetched after all. All right. This one's a little bit longer, but it's amazing. The British actor, Anthony Hopkins, you know, we all know him as Hannibal Lecter. Well, he was delighted to hear that he had landed a leading role in a film based on the book The Girl from Petrovka by George Pfeiffer. A few days after signing the contract, Hopkins traveled to London to buy a copy of the book. Now, he tried several bookshops, but there wasn't a single copy to be found. So then while waiting at Leicester Square underground for his train home, he noticed a book apparently discarded on a bench. And incredibly It was the girl from Petrovka. Now that in and of itself would have been a coincidence enough, but in fact, it was merely the beginning of an extraordinary chain of events. You see, two years later, in the middle of filming in Vienna, Anthony Hopkins was visited by George Pfeiffer, the author. And Pfeiffer mentioned that he did not have a copy of his own book. He had lent his last copy containing his own annotations to a friend who had lost it somewhere in London. Well, with mounting astonishment, Hopkins handed Pfeiffer the book he had found. Is this the one, he asked, with the notes scribbled in the margins? And indeed, it was that same book. Incredible, isn't it? Kind of makes you wonder. Strange but true coincidences. Well, it's no coincidence that this podcast is better when you are a part of it, and I would love for you to be a part of this week's Friday Forum. As I mentioned last week during the Friday Flashback, we do have one contribution sitting in the inbox right now, but it's pretty short, and I need something else to go with it. So why don't you uh, tag team with Zachary this week and send in your Friday Forum contribution. You can call it in. At 304-837-2278 and just talk on the phone, leave it on our voicemail system that way, or you can typey typey it out and go over to goldenspiralmedia.com/slash feedback, or while you're there, you can also attach an audio file if you want to like record it on your phone or something like that, or use the speakpipe widget. There's so many ways to make a contribution and we would love to hear what you have learned and it includes you as a part of this week's Friday forum. Now here's what I learned yesterday. Today, I'm going to share the story behind one of the personal facts that I shared earlier this season that involved a case of mistaken identity. The year was 1995. I was a 19-year-old college student working part-time at the bookstore, and by this time I had been at the bookstore for somewhere around a year, maybe longer. Now, during this time at the bookstore, I spent a lot of time at the back of the store, because that's where the Bible section was located, as well as the machines that we used to stamp names on the covers of Bibles. Now, you probably recall that I was originally hired as a cashier, so that meant that I was often called to the front to help relieve the pressure when things got busy up front. Now, there were two main aisles in our 14,000-square-foot store that ran from the front doors all the way to the back wall, where I was located. And if I was working at the Bible imprinting station, I could look straight up one of the aisles to the main cash register and keep an eye on how busy they were. If I noticed things getting backed up, then I'd go ahead and make my way up there to help out. Well, one day as I was heading to the front of the store up that main aisle, I caught the eye of a woman standing between the main cash register and the first aisle of merchandise. She had a look on her face unlike any I had ever seen. Her eyes were fixed as if they were piercing right through me. She had a look of startled bewilderment on her face. Her eyebrows were raised and her mouth agape. At first, I wasn't sure if she was looking at me or something directly behind me. What I was sure of was that she looked like she needed help. So instead of heading to the register, I approached her. I said, Can I help you with something? She said, I'm sorry, I'm just so surprised. You look just like my son. Well, naturally, I didn't think Much of it at this point. I mean, what was the big deal about looking like her son? Well, she went on to explain that her son had just been killed less than a month before, and in fact, I think it had been within a week or two since he had been killed. I didn't know what to say. To be honest, I don't recall at all what I did say. I only remember what she said. She took a few minutes and she told me about her son and how much she loved him. She told me how much he loved God and that he was on his way to church when his car was struck by another driver and he died. Some of you know the grief that only a parent who has lost a child feels. Here was this woman, a total stranger, bearing her heart to me as she was broken by the weight of her grief. Our chat that day was short. I did my best to console her, but I really had no idea what to do. I mostly just listened. A short time later, she came in again. And this time she came in looking for me. We chatted a bit more, and then she left. And a few weeks after that, she came in again. Once again, we chatted for a bit, and she told me more about her son and updated me on how she was doing. And then after that, I never saw her again. I can't imagine what must have raced through her mind the first time she saw me. I imagine that if I were in her shoes, I would find myself in crowded or random places and I would see the face of my child everywhere and on every body. I think I would catch a glimpse of someone and my brain would tell me that it is my son or daughter only to realize that it is not them upon a second look. But for her, on that day, she looked and stared And still thought it was her son. And that's incredible. It seems like a coincidence too strange to be true. I mean, we all have doppelgangers, but do we have them that live in the same town and they are so much like us that our own mothers would be fooled for a time? Here's what I learned I believe, with all that I have, that the grieving mother and I crossed paths that day for a reason. I believe that even though I didn't really know what to say to her and really didn't say that much, that I helped bring healing to her broken heart. No, I didn't heal her broken heart, but I think that our conversations helped bring her to a place of peace and closure that she might not have otherwise gotten. Maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part because I do wish that I had been able to do more. This is the time of year when a lot of change is happening. Kids are going off to school and maybe even moving off to college. In our city, a new school opened up and redistricting took place. My daughter told me that there are kids at her school that lost all of their friends to the redistricting and are now having to make all new friends all over again. Summertime is a season where many families relocate and with that comes a brand new world. I experienced a similar dynamic my first year of marriage. My wife and I moved to Lubbock to help set up a new store and to train me to be a store manager. Well, 10 months later, when we were just getting settled into our church, my wife had just been given a promotion at her job, and we were finally feeling at home in West Texas, well, I got a call that I had been promoted to a store manager position, and less than a week later, we were living in a new town 200 miles away, and nothing was familiar. It was hard. I was just starting to build some great friendships, and now they were suddenly gone. That move took place 16 years ago. Since then, I've learned a lot of things, but one of those things is that sometimes, maybe even lots of times, people aren't intended to be a part of our life for very long. Sometimes we encounter others only a couple of times. Sometimes we get to spend months or even a few years with people we care about. And if we're really lucky, we get to spend many years with them. I truly believe that sometimes people are only brought into our lives or we into the lives of others so that we can have a brief yet powerful impact. But regardless of the length of time that we get with them, if they have impacted our life in a positive way or we have impacted their life in a positive way, we have much to be grateful for. And they will always be a cherished part of us. I'm Daryl Darnell, and this has been Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Follow Golden Spiral Media on Twitter at gsmpodcasts and facebook.com slash Media. Join the Stuff I Learned Yesterday Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash stuff I learned yesterday. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I would be grateful. If you'd share this podcast with a friend.